0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you tonight? Kevin's fine. That's good. It's glad to hear. Let's stand together. It is so good to be here tonight. I am so looking forward to hearing the Word of God. Are you not? Food for our soul. Thank you, Lord God. And to be able to just gather together and sing praise to him. What a precious gift. Let's bow our heads and our hearts and thank him. Father, we are grateful this night that we have an opportunity to come together, Lord. This fellowship that you've blessed us with, Lord, that we do not take for granted, Lord, and maybe sometimes we do, Father. We just ask that you would allow us to see how amazing you are, and Lord, how blessed we are to be in your presence through what Jesus has done and his finished work on the cross, Lord. And God, we ask that you would receive the praise we have for you this night in song as we sing songs to you, Lord, from your holy word, from our hearts, God. We just pour our hearts to you this night. God, we just ask that you would inhabit our praises as your word says, Lord God, and reveal yourself to us as we sing, soften our hearts, and prepare us for your word, Lord. And God, we ask for an anointing upon Pastor Frank, Lord, as he expounds on the word of God this night, led by your spirit, God, we just pray that you would reveal more and more of yourself, Jesus. Show us yourself, Father, Son, and Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will worship you, Lord God, because you are so good. Who you
1: are standing here in your presence, thinking of the good things you have done, waiting here patiently, just this small, full, surrogate Holy, righteous, faithful to the end Savior, healer, redeemer, and I will, I will worship you for who you are I will worship you for who you are I will worship you for who you are Jesus Standing here. Standing here in your presence, thinking of the good things you have done. Reading here patiently, just in your still small voice of Holy, righteous, faithful to the end. Savior, healer, redeemer. I will worship you for who you are. I will worship you for who you are. I will worship you for who you are. Jesus. Say again, I will worship you, Lord. I will worship you for who you are. I will worship you for who you are. I will worship you for who you are. Jesus. My soul secure, my soul secure. Your promise sure, your love endures. Are. I will worship you for who you are, I will worship you for who you are, Jesus. My soul's secure, my soul's secure, your promise sure, your, your love endures always. Your always, I will worship You for who You are. I will worship You for who You are. I will worship You for who You are, Jesus. One more time, I worship. I will worship You for who You are. I will worship You for who You are. I will worship you for who you are, Jesus.
0: Praise your name, Lord. Hey! We do need a filling, Lord God. Over and over again, Lord, fill us again. Fill us again. Renew us in yourself, Lord God. You are holy and we are not, Lord. We need your filling, Lord.
1: Unto the Lord, unto the King, Holiness unto your name, I will sing, Holiness unto Jesus.
0: I'll let the Lord know you love him. I
1: love you. I love your ways. I love your name. I love you. And all my days I'll proclaim. Holiness unto Jesus, Holiness unto you, Lord, unto you, Lord. We sing holiness unto Jesus, Holiness unto you, Lord. Holiness Lord, know You love Him tonight. I love You. I love Your ways. I love Your name. I love You, and all my day, all my days, I'll proclaim. To yes, Jesus. Jesus, holiness unto you, unto my Lord, holiness unto Jesus, holiness unto you. Oh, yes, Lord, you are Lord, holy, holiness unto Jesus. Blessed be the rock, may the God of my salvation be exalted. Oh, yes, you Lord, Lord. Blessed be the rock, may the God. by our Lord, who oh, He Lord. is worthy to be oh, who oh, said yes. now, blessed yes. be the right, may the God of my salvation be exalted. Oh, dear. my salvation be exalted
0: Hosanna Hosanna
1: Blessed be the rock May the God Usana. Blessed be the rock May the God of my salvation be exalted who said Blessed be the rock May the God of my salvation be exalted. Whose oh, head, Jesus, is the rock? Jesus is the rock. May the God of my salvation.
2: Kids, you got to come up here, all of you, come on up here, come on all the kids, come on John Carlo. all the kids come up, most of you are finishing school right, how excited are you, this was my favorite time of the year when <laughs> I was a, a kid, how are you all doing good, you excited, you got all for the summer, you've got vacation Bible school, you've got the summer camp here, I hope you're all coming and uh, I want to make sure that you're all coming And um, and you have a good time with mom and dad and your families and uh, grandpas and grandmas. And we have a lot of fun. So I want to say a prayer for you, okay? Mm -hmm. Father, we ask a special blessing upon the children, Lord God, as they finish up school. Thank you, Lord God, for, for just a successful year, Lord God. Them completing their studies, them graduating. And Lord God, I want to pray, Lord God, that you would bless their summer. Lord, here at Living Word, time they'll have with their families on vacation, Lord God, Just enjoying the summer and enjoying your blessings, Lord God. Bless the Vacation Bible School. Bless the summer camp, Lord God. And bless them in all the things that they'll be doing. May they just go through the summer, Lord God. Make it memorable for them. A time of peace, a time of joy, a time of love in the Holy Spirit. And may they always know that Jesus loves them. God bless you. And John Kohler, you can say it. It You can go. (laughs) Kids come out every Wednesday night and they love just coming here to the church and you know building friendships, good things. So, I'd like to share with you tonight. uh, You can go with me to number 16, and the title of the message is Testing God. Remember, last week we looked at uh, God, well, two weeks ago, God testing us. Well, now we're going to look at how the Israelites put God to the test. So stand with me for the reading of the word. I'm going to pick up here in Numbers chapter 16, verse 41 through 50. It says, On the next day all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned uh, towards the tabernacle of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment." And they fell on their faces. And so Moses and Aaron, take uh, a, uh, Mo- I'm sorry. So Moses said to Aaron, "Take a censer and put fire in it." From the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it, as Moses commanded, and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who had died. In the core incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague had stopped. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts and minds, Lord. You are a great God, an awesome God, and a very holy God. And Lord God, you command us never to test you in disobedience, in disbelief, Lord, in rebellion. I pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and minds to your word tonight. Teach us your word, Lord God, as we sit at your feet, and Lord God, may we walk out of this place, Lord God, walking closer with you than we came in. For in Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. And you just look down real quick at your, you know, at your text, and you know it, it tells us here. So he he put the incense and made atonement for the people and stood between the dead and the living. Who does that remind you of? We always talk about you'll find Jesus in every chapter of the Bible. Aaron is the high priest, Jesus is our high priest, and again, it is a picture of Yeshua. Now, they don't get it. <laughs> I mean, this is numbers, is, you know, it's the book of rebellion, and they just don't get it. And what you have here, in the previous 40 chapters, okay, numbers 16, verses 1-40, through 40, you have Korah's Rebellion. And Korah and his men challenged Moses' authority. They challenged Moses' leadership. The ground opened up and swallowed them up. you think they would have learned the lesson. But now the people, they're just repeating the same old sins over and over again, and they're reaping what they're sowing, and they're experiencing pain, they're experiencing sorrow. There's, literally, the wrath and judgment of God is coming upon them and their children. And again, you, you think you think that they would get this. So, you know, God, God is patient. God is a God of, you know, long-suffering. And he's a God of grace and mercy. But there comes a time when he just loses his patience. And that is seen in the book of Numbers. In Hebrews 3.9 commentary, great commentary on Numbers, it says, your father's tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. They they continued to, to try and test the Lord. Psalm 78 is another great commentary on the book of Numbers. Uh, it basically you know, talks about Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years, testing God, complaining, whining, resisting, rebelling. And um, you look here, again, verse 18, 41, and 56 repeats it three times. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. And again, they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. But they kept testing and rebelling against God Most High. They did not obey his laws. Again, they, they just did not get it. So what we've covered thus far, and what we'll be covering in you know, upcoming weeks, Numbers 14.22, I'll just bring you back there. It says, Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to test these ten times. So there were at, up to that point, they had tested the Lord ten times and have not listened to my voice. You go back to, to Numbers 11.1. One. Soon the people began to complain about their hardships, and the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. They're just complaining about the desert heat during the day, the desert cold during the night, uh, complaining about you know the manna not having you know the wonderful food of Egypt that they so loved, and again repeated over and over in Numbers eleven four and six it says then the foreign rabble who traveled uh, with the Israelites and these were these were foreigners who left with Israel okay. Uh, different people from different nations, possibly even some Egyptians, began to crave the good uh, things of Egypt and the people of Israel began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We re- remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt and we had all the cucumbers, the melons, those leeks and onions, garlic that we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. Oh, we see is this manna. And they tested Lord by rebelling, and complaining about his provisions in Numbers chapter fourteen one through 4. And the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in the great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Again, rebellion against the leadership that God had appointed. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off to plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt than they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt? You know, God this whole time is trying to teach them to trust him. And again, they're not trusting him. What they're doing is they're testing him. Uh, Numbers 16, verses 1 through 3. Again, we looked at this last week. I won't read it in its entirety, but Korah and his rebellion. Again, another rebellion against the authority that God put in place. And then, what happened? The earth swallowed them up. Now, if you saw the earth swallowing up a bunch of rebels, don't you think you would get it, and they did not get it? One more time... Numbers 21, and we'll look at this in upcoming weeks, verse 4 through 6, and the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses, we, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained, there is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous steaks among them. And many were bitten and died. But here again, complaining about the hardship, complaining about the manna. So again, they are continuously putting the Lord to the test. So I want to talk to you about some things about putting the Lord to the test because it's a place you don't want to go. It's a very dangerous place to be. So the first thing I want you to look at, people test God by trying to force his hand. And this is, again, a a, a great temptation of the devil. So if you go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, you see how the devil tempted Jesus to try to get him to force the hand of the Lord. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, and he quotes, he quotes Psalm 91, verse 11. And by the way, I'm starting a series on Sunday on spiritual warfare. And we're talking about a, a number of things. Know your enemy. Uh, know your weapons. And then know your tactics in dealing with the enemy. But I will cover, I will cover the temptation of Jesus because Jesus, he, he combated The the combatives that he used in in dealing with the enemy was he used the word of God. So Satan knows the word of God, right? He knows the word of God better than we do. So he comes and he throws the word of God here and he says he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. That again, that's from Psalm 91.11. What does Jesus do? He goes to Deuteronomy 16 and he responds, the scripture also says you must not test the Lord your God. Essentially, what, what the devil is doing here with, with the Lord, he is saying, uh, essentially, you need to prove, right? You need to prove God's word. You need, you need to prove the word of your, you know, your father by forcing his hand and by jumping off because he's promised to protect you. So you, you, you think of this, right? God has promised, right? He's promised protection. He, he's promised provision. So you're looking at that passage and saying, well, God has promised that He's going to protect me. He's going to surround me with angels, He's going to put a hedge of angels around me. He's going to protect me from danger. I'm going to get in my car tonight and I'm going to go driving up on 9W at 140 miles an hour. Right? That's putting the Lord to the test. You know, God, God says, I will, I, will, you know, I will meet your needs. You, know, you look at that, you know, Philippians chapter 4, He says, I will meet your needs. And yet, right, there are people at times, they're just like, well, I'm just sitting back, waiting for God to meet my needs. He also said that we ought to work. He said, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. A person who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. So there's a, again, there's a response. But that, again, that is taking Scripture, and essentially, it is trying to prove Scripture through disobedience. That is what it is to test the Lord. I'm going to show you later on that there's a place where God calls us to test his word. But it's to test his word in obedience and faith. Satan is trying to get Jesus to test the word of his father through disobedience. So there's a verse, one of my signature verses, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. Matthew chapter 6:33. Uh, that, that has been a signature verse, other than one of the first verses God ever gave to me in my life. And I've clung to that verse, and I believe that verse. I've claimed that verse for my life. "Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. There is still a responsibility, though, that comes with that, of stewardship, a, a, a responsibility, again, a, of work of you know a provision for your family. So I believe God will meet, again, my needs. He will bless me as I seek him and his kingdom. But he has also called me to do certain things in accordance with the rest of Scripture and its context so that he is able to do that. So again, Satan will come and he will tempt us to try to prove God's word. and Essentially, it's, it's to prove God's word by stepping away freely from the meaning of the Scripture and disobeying. Instead of trusting. Number two. People test God with their deception. So let's look at the grim tale of Ananias and Sapphira. They, they tested God through lies. They thought they wouldn't be found out. They thought they wouldn't be discovered. Uh, they thought they'd just get away with... And it really was a, a, a little exaggeration. Now you can fool people. But you can't fool God. So you, you go to Acts chapter 5. Let me, just, let me just say something to you here. One of the challenges of Scripture with chapters, chapters were not added. In fact, they were was, was sporadically added going back to about the 1400s, the 1800s. Uh, most of the chapter and verse was added. But... You know, when we read scripture, a lot of times we go to a chapter and we're not reading it in a context. So, in this context, before I even talk about Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, Ananias and Sapphira, the chapter before it tells us of Barnabas. And Barnabas, what he did was he sold his field and he brought the full amount and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So, apparently, what happened was, and again, you've got to kind of read between the lines here, the people were saying, that the church was saying, Wow, look at what. Barnabas did, the son of encouragement. That's, that's all, he, saw, he sold his whole field, and he gave the whole thing to the Lord. God didn't ask for it. He just was prompted by you know, his love to support the work of God, and he did this incredible thing. So Ananias and Sapphira see that. So watch, watch what they, watch what they do here. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and lured it at the apostles' feet. By the way, nothing wrong with that. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it right? not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart, you have not lied to men, but to God? So do you understand what they did? They sold the field. The field was theirs. They didn't have to sell it. And once they sold it, okay, they could have kept, they could have kept the money for themselves. But what they did was, they wanted to appear like Barnabas, that they gave everything. And they didn't give everything. They only gave a part of it, and they kept back part of it for themselves. They were deceptive. They were, they were you know, lying. And so Peter here, if you go back to verse 5, then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. And so a great fear came upon all those who heard these things, and the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. So he said, yeah, I, you sold it for the full amount. That's what you guys you know, have received. That's what the church has received. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. So it's just, again, that, that, that is that is just you know, plain old testing God through deception. They wanted to look holier. They wanted to look more pious. They, they wanted to look wonderful in front of the church. So they lied to do it. Again, he didn't ask for the money. God didn't ask for the money. The church didn't ask for the money. And, again, the field was there before they sold it. The money was there after they sold it. But they tested the Lord. And uh, were they saved? Are they in heaven? That's a big question. Okay, number three. People test God when they refuse to listen to his voice. So Numbers 14.22 tells us, Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have... Put me to the test these 10 times and have not listened to my voice. So, God is speaking to them. God is speaking to us. And He may be asking you to stop doing something that is not according to His will. He may be asking you to do something that is according to His will. He will speak to you through the Word. He will speak to you through a sermon, through a message. He will speak to you through your brothers and sisters. I mean, he can speak to you in all kinds of ways just when you're walking down the street with his still, a still small voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. If you belong to him and you are truly a Christian, you will know his voice. What happens though, God is speaking to them and they are ignoring his voice. They're ignoring his warning. They're ignoring his guidance. They're ignoring his correction. And the thought here is, well, I can get away with it. Right, God, you know, God, You know, God, I, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, but I'm ignoring it, you know, I can get away with it. And they'll test. They'll test God's long-suffering. They'll test God's patience. In Numbers chapter 32, 23, it says, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. In this context, this is God calling Israel to go and prepare themselves to go into battle and defeat, right, the six nations of, uh, you know, of the Promised Land. And He says, "But if you won't obey Me, again, you know, just be sure your sin will find you out." By the way, notice that your sin will find you out. It always does. It always does. And I think people think they're gonna get away with it. Sin of Cain found him out. The sin of Lot found him out. The sin of Jacob found him out. Right? Look at David, right? And here's somebody who thinks they can get away, right? He commits adultery, Bathsheba gets pregnant. He tries to hide it by, you know, he, he, he's telling Uriah, go and have sex with your wife. This guy's such an honorable warrior who refuses to go and have sex with his wife, sleeps outside on the, uh, on the stoop. So then David said, this is how I'm gonna cover it up, right? This is how I'm gonna get away with it. He has not killed, killed in battle. His sin found him out when Nathan the prophet came and, you know, and rebuked him. But your, your sin will find you out. And again, this is where people think, I can get away with this. I can get away with this. I can get away with it. You're not going to get away with it. So in Galatians chapter 6, 7, it says this, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Again, people, again, think, well, you know what, I can just mock God. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm going to ignore his warnings. I'm going to, I'm going to ignore his direction. Of where he wants me to go. I'm just going to ignore it. You can see this in the world. And you can see it in the church. The president of the United States. His sin found him out. Bill Cosby. Let me tell you. My kids grew up loving the Cosby show. I couldn't believe when I heard this. His sin found him out. Bernie Madoff, right? He made off with what? $5 billion, $20 uh, $20 billion of people's money. His sin found him out. Just recently, if you know who this woman is, Elizabeth Holmes, she walked off with a few billion dollars of people's money. She swindled people. Her sin found her out. Jeffrey Epstein, their sins found them out. I show you this painfully, if you know who some of these men are are great men of God. Adultery, cheating, stealing, misappropriation of funds, homosexuality. Their sin found them out. Hey, I've been doing this for 40 years. I want to tell you a few stories. And by the way, the stories I'm going to tell you, they, they are not people who are in our congregation. They have not been in our congregation for a long time. Uh, Some of them were stored. Some of the stories I'll tell you were not. But um, prominent person, prominent person in the community, uh, loved he and his wife, the kids, and um, admired him. And uh, he's about to have an affair and his wife finds out. She goes to the hotel where he's gonna meet the woman before he goes, the woman sees him. You know, her. She confronts the woman, and the woman flees. Now, the wife is in the hotel room, and the husband's coming to have committed adultery with, with with this woman. She knocks on the door. Now he knocks on the door. Guess who answers the door? <laughs> they call me up on the phone at night. Later, they're up in my office telling me, this. They, 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 the marriage has been healed, it's been saved. There was, there was repentance. And I thank God it, it, it didn't go any further than that. Another, another situation, couples coming you know, and, and talking to me, man's having, a, 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 having sexual relations, he's married, committing adultery. And uh, he's with the woman in, in a car, in what they think is a deserted area. The wife's sister is a policewoman, sees the car, it was his girlfriend's car, it wasn't his car, but she sees the car in this deserted area, it's not, you know, there. She goes over and knocks on the window, he's in the car with the woman. And she went and she told her sister what, what had happened. We had, a, we had a man here in the church a number of years ago. He's constantly asking everybody for money. But he's asking them for big sums of money. He's always saying to me, right, he comes to me and he's like, you know, Pastor, give me 15 grand. 15 grand, I'll turn it into 80 grand. By the end of the year, you'll have 80 grand. When somebody you know, tells you something that sounds too good to be true, it usually is, right? me, what? I'm like, what is it? He goes, it's derivatives. I don't, I don't understand derivatives. I will not invest in anything I don't understand. He's just calling me. He's calling me every day. And then he's going around the church. And I'm telling people, don't go near this guy. Some people invested with him. He got caught running a Ponzi scheme, and he's, he did what, four or five years in jail. Your sin will find you out. We had a guy here not too long ago stealing out of the collection basket on Wednesday nights. You're stealing $100 bills. His sin found him out. His sin found him out. So, in it, 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 whether it, you know, it's, it, it's the big picture, it's the little picture, the, the, I hear again people are not listening to the voice of God. And he's warning. He's warning them. right? He's guiding them. They're not doing what he's telling them to do. Or, or again, they're doing something he's telling them not to do. And they ignore the voice. But your sin will find you out. You say, well, I've been committing a sin and no one knows about it. I want to tell you just, just one more story. A woman came to me a number of years ago, many years ago. She killed a man. The man had raped her. She was, she was young. She was living in this, in this apartment. The man lived downstairs. She lived upstairs. He came up one night, and he raped her. And she turned the gas on. He used to get drunk and pass out. She turned the gas on, and she killed him. And she told me she'd never told anybody that story. But you know what? She was haunted by that story for 40 years. She murdered someone. And, you know, you can sit there and say, man, you know, I mean, my nature, when somebody rapes a woman, I'm, I have no mercy. The Old Testament, they were taken out and they were put to death. But still, if she was caught, she'd be, she'd be in jail for murder. But she was haunted. And she came, she came to the church, she came to me, and she said, can God forgive me? can God forgive me for what I did? And I took her through. I took her through. Moses had murdered a man. Paul, right, was basically putting Christian people to death, the way, you know, the way it seems. And I talked about, you know, again, the grace and the mercy of God. But you can't, you see, you, 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 can't, you can't get away with sin and put God to the test because your sin will find you out. Okay, number four. People test God by rebelling against him. This open rebelling. This is Psalm 78, verse 46. But they kept testing and rebelling against God Most High. They did not obey His laws. So just, just again, refusing to obey what God is clearly, right, saying to you. God speaks right at first when we're disobeying Him. In a still small voice. You're living, you're living, you're doing something that, that is not right. He will, he will speak to you, right? He'll speak to you through the word. He'll speak to you in a, that still, small voice. But you don't listen. So now he raises his voice. becomes a little louder. And you don't listen. And then he will use a megaphone. And that me- megaphone, will, will, it will rivet you. But he, 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 he starts off, he starts off, you know, gentle. It's like your child. They do something, right? They're doing something wrong. Time out. I just give them a little time out. They don't listen. It wasn't too bad. Time out, right, Raquel? They sat out for, you know, a few minutes and, uh, or an hour, right? And then said, it wasn't too bad. And they come back. And, they, and, and again, they're testing. And, and so, so now you take something away from them that's important. But after a little while, it's not so bad. You give him a little whack on the behind, right? But that's, I believe, how God will essentially, you know, deal with us. I've seen, I've seen Him do that in my own life. He disciplines in, in, in very unique ways, and I'll, I'll get to that. That's my, my final point. People test God when they ignore His discipline. As a loving father, he will discipline us. So it tells us in in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 through 11, which is a number, basically, of of passages that the author of Hebrews uh, had taken. But he says this, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom uh, a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of the spirits and live? Uh, For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful. For the present, but painful nevertheless. afterward it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. But he will, again discipline us. And if we ignore his discipline, again, we're testing him. It's just like a, a child testing again their parent. You know, We tested our parents, right? I don't get away with that get away with it get away with it until our parents then you know they they lose it and all of a sudden we're getting you know we're getting whacked or we're getting seriously we're getting seriously punished but god let me tell you god will discipline us monetarily he will discipline us physically in our careers in our ministries and in our relationships he will discipline us And I tell you, that's what he has done with me. I am very sensitive to the times when I was not listening to him. And again, just kind of thinking, well, you know, I committed my sin, I confessed it, and then I'm repeating it, and I committed my sin, and I confessed it, and I'm repeating it. And all of a sudden, God disciplines in a very painful way. So Proverbs nineteen three it says a foolish man uh, 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 the foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. You ever see people like that? They just they just keep making you know just keep going on going on going on and they start complaining and blaming God. So here's a here's a wrap up on on this the key thing trusting God or testing God because essentially when you're trusting God, you're living by faith and obedience. When you're you're testing God, you're living with doubt and essentially with disobedience. So there there is one passage in scripture where God says, test me. Who knows where it is? Yeah, Malachi, right? Go to Malachi chapter 3, 8 through 11. He says here, should people cheat God? by the way, this isn't a tithing message, okay? (laughs) It says, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. That is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, Test me. Some people look at that and say, Well, it seems to be a contradiction because he was again saying, You know, don't test me. But here he's saying, Test me. He says, Your crops will be abundant. For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The the difference, this is a test of faith and obedience of his his word. You know, a test again of, of trust. The difference is testing God in disobedience. Testing God through complaining. Testing God through whining. Testing God through rebellion. That's a, that's a different way of testing. This is, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you put God's word to the test. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you put God's word to the test. And how did you find it? You you found it proved true, right? Jesus Jesus said, When you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. I found that as I've put that to the test. The more I have come to understand the truth, the freer I become. I put it to the test. Again, the difference is putting God's word to the test through trust. And obedience as compared to putting it in disobedience and doubt. That's the ultimate difference. So we are called to trust him, right? Trust and obey. Here, let me show you. I'm not, not going to cover that tonight. Trust in, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That is what it is to truly put the Lord's word to the test, to trust Him in His word, to take His word to your heart, believe in it, to test him in disobedience again. That's not the testing that He desires that we have. Amen. Anybody have any questions? You don't get to ask questions here, usually because I don't have enough time, but there's no question. It was an important message. I see I see yeah Kev Yeah you're saying that that their, their call to obedience was their right. their test. Right. Yeah and again the whole generation died in the desert for their disobedience and their children entered Oh you're saying by obeying him. Yeah, I think I think there's I think exactly they were trust those who trusted him. That second generation by the way Caleb and Joshua they trusted his word. When he said when he said I'm going to bring you into the promised land, I'm going to fight for you. You're going to see these people, these these six nations are, are great, they're greater than you. They outnumber you. They're bigger than you. Their cities are are, are vast. Their walls are high. But I'm going to go ahead of you. By the way, understand that when you look at Israel and how they defeated, right, the Canaanites and you know look at you know all all, all the Perizzites and they when they defeated them, they defeated them because God was fighting for them. He was fighting with them. And they had to trust in his word. Caleb and Joshua did. The next generation did. But their parents didn't, and they all ended up dead in the desert. They tested the Lord by rebelling, they tested the Lord by complaining, they they tested the Lord by whining. But that second generation truly tested the Lord by faith and obedience. All right? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, I just pray, Lord, these are, these are life lessons, Lord, that I pray that you would just impress upon our hearts. Let us, Lord, walk out of here tonight thinking about these things, praying about these things. Father God, they have direct implications upon our lives, upon our children, our families, Lord God, our careers, our ministries. They have effects upon our eternity. So, Father God, I just want to pray, Lord God, that we would be a people who trust you who trust you, Lord God, who obey you, and do not put you to the test, Lord God, in rebellion and disobedience, Lord God, in faithlessness. For in Jesus' name we pray this, amen. Stand with me. Um, we're going to go into prayer. And then what I'd, like, what I'd like to do with you tonight, let's all come forward tonight, and we'll pray, we'll pray up here for a little while together. could you close the service one
0: sure thank you pastor thank you lord for your word what a great word the altars are open if you'd like to pray a little up here as we're singing this closing song and then go into prayer touch
1: you. So that I might touch you. So that I might touch you. Lord, I want to touch you. Touch my eyes. Touch my eyes. might see you so that I might see you Lord I wanna see you. you're going to love your Closer. Draw me closer, Lord. draw me closer, dear Lord, so that I might touch you, so that I might touch you, Lord, I want to touch your glory and your love. I just see your glory, and your love, your glory.
0: Father God, thank you for this night, Lord, and for your holy word proclaimed, Lord God, this night. God, we just ask you to help us remember what we've learned and just draw near to you and trust and obey you, Father God. You are our Lord and our Savior. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.